0: Well, we're in this series where we're talking about entrusted. Nehemiah was entrusted with God's vision, God's plan in his generation as we... Think about what was going on. Let me just get us, get us caught up in case you missed last week or you're a little fuzzy on the details of what was going on in the context of the time. God's people were in exile because of the Babylonian invasion that had come. And they had conquered the southern kingdom of Judah. They had destroyed the city, the capital of Jerusalem. They had raised it. They had destroyed it. And they had taken into captivity uh, many of the people of that of that, of, of that southern kingdom, including Nehemiah's family. So Nehemiah ended up in exile, living, living in captivity. Now, subsequent to the Babylonian invasion, the Persians came, destroyed the Babylonians, Cyrus the Great being the leader, the, at the time, the greatest superpower the world had ever known. And so, uh, as we said, Cyrus had a little different business model than the Babylonians. And so his business model was he was going to allow. The people that they had conquered to still live in their homes, unlike the Babylonians. And so Cyrus the Great says to all of them, you can go back and you can rebuild your city if you want. You can go rebuild Jerusalem. And so there were, there were a couple of groups that had gone back and they had there were some fits and starts and they had some struggles. But they eventually got the temple rebuilt. Now decades have passed. And so Nehemiah is still one of the ones that was still left. He's living in Susa, which is one of the principal cities of the Persian Empire, some seven or 800 miles away from Jerusalem. And a fellow, he's, he's still there. He's, he's cupbearer of the king. He lives in the courts and serves the courts of the king. And so there was someone that came from Jerusalem to Susa. So, of course, he asked how things are going back home. And then he hears something that breaks his heart. He hears about how Jerusalem, this beloved city, the city that housed the temple, the city that was the place of sacrifice, this city which was the spiritual center of their faith, this city which was the symbol of God's covenant to them as his people was destroyed, laid bare. And it was still in ruins, he hears. That that the walls are destroyed, the gates of the city are still burned, burned out and, and 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 not built back. The people living in, it says, great trouble and great shame. I'm reminded of I, as I kind of read what's going on, what was going on in Nehemiah's time about our own day, our own age. As we look around our world and we see our world destroyed, and we see the condition, the thing that breaks our heart as we look at our world through the eyes of our God. It breaks our heart to see a world in need of hope, a world in need of a Savior, a world of indeed in need of, a, of redemption, a world in need of God. The moral decay that we see, the society in turmoil, the injustice, the heartache that breaks God's heart. I, I trust that it breaks yours as you look around. We've been given the vision at First Church of restoring his ideal, of, of taking action on our heartbreak. And that's exactly what happened with Nehemiah, that, that God breaks his heart as he hears what's going on back home. And so it moves him to action. And so after a time of prayer, as, as he's seeking God's heart and, and he's broken heart about what was going on in, on in the culture that he lived, he finally has an opportunity before the king. And he has a conversation with the king, and he asks for permission to go back and rebuild the walls, to rebuild the city. The temple, again, as I said, had been rebuilt, but the rest of it was still destroyed. And so the king gives him permission, and Nehemiah goes back with the project of rebuilding the walls financed by the king. And so he goes back, to, goes back to the city, he surveys the city, he walks around, he finalizes the plans because now he can see it with his own eyes, the plans that God had been birthing into him over several months. And so he travels these 700 or 800 miles back, he, he goes around, surveys the land, then he pulls the people that had been living here, they, the people were there that could have been rebuilding the walls, but they hadn't been, and he pulls them together and he casts some vision. And listen to his vision casting here in chapter 2, verse 17. And then I said to them, imagine Nehemiah standing on the rubble of the wall. The people gathered, standing themselves in the rubble. Maybe the temple, the one thing that had been rebuilt in the background. But there he is in the rubble of the city. And this is what he says. You see the trouble we're in, pointing, you can imagine him pointing to the walls that are destroyed You see, the trouble that we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins, its gates burned, come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem, that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good, and also the words that the king had spoken to me. I love that Nehemiah acknowledges that God had been with him, that this was God's plan, that the hand of God had been there. That God was the one who's been working. And he he cast the vision let's rebuild these walls. Let's rebuild the gates. Let's get this city ready for the the messianic prophecies to be fulfilled in our generation, knowing that the city had to be rebuilt before that Messiah that they longed for could come. And so Nehemiah invites them into God's hope restoring work. Listen to the response. In that next verse, and they said, let us rise up and build. And so they strengthened their hands for the good work. But when Sanbalat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite servant and Geshem the Arab heard of it, they jeered at us and despised us and said, what is this thing that you're doing? Are you rebelling against the king? I love, and if you read Nehemiah, all of it, you see at different points, these uh, naysayers, these late adopters, these individuals that are are, are speaking against the work that God had given Nehemiah and the people to do. Just a reminder that we always have those people in our lives. If we're doing the work of the Lord, that there's always going to be people that, that are going to work against us, and Nehemiah understood that. And what does he say in response? I replied to them in verse 20. The God of heaven will make us prosper. We, his servants, will arise and build, but you will have no portion or right or claim in Jerusalem. Nehemiah had traveled seven, 800 miles. He had prayed for months. God had laid this burden on him, and there was nothing that those naysayers are going to say that's going to deter him from the work that God had given him, the, the thing that God had put on his heart, had broken his heart for this good work. But he did more than just hope for change. And as we think about our, our world, and we look around our world, and, and we're grieved by our world, and we're grieved by what, the things that break the heart of God, we can't just look around our world and hope that it be different. Like Nehemiah, we have to get our hands dirty to take personally this heartbreak, to move to change. And so he cast vision of restoring God's ideal in his world, of rebuilding these walls. And the, and the people got caught, caught, caught hold of that vision. They said, yes, we're willing to get our hands dirty. Yes, let's together rebuild these walls. Nehemiah couldn't do it alone. And that wasn't the vision they got had, but to inspire the people and together we'll do it. And so Nehemiah chapter three, where we want to camp out, is a chapter where where Nehemiah, where Nehemiah describes the building, and we don't have time to read and, and talk at, at length at all of the verses. It's a pretty lengthy chapter. And We might, if we're not careful, just look at this third chapter and think, "Oh, that's one of those genealogy type lists. It's just a list. There's not much there." But if you dig in, there's some great truth to be had. And so look look at this third chapter as We look at it, just a couple of fun facts I think are interesting. In this third chapter, as we think about rebuilding the walls and the story of rebuilding the walls, 38 different individuals are listed in this chapter. 42 different groups of people are listed in this chapter, all working side by side on the walls, on the city, in fulfillment of God's plan. So let's jump in. Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 1. And let me just give a little disclaimer. There's a lot of very difficult names. There's no Bobs or Steves that were working on the wall, unfortunately. So just bear with me. I'll try to, go, I'll try to say it quickly and act like I know what I'm saying. But I, some of you that are really good at pronunciation, you'll know that I'm messing it up. So with that said, here we go. Then Elishib, the high priest, rose up, his brothers and priest, and they built the sheep gate. And they consecrated it and they set its doors and they consecrated as far as the Tower of the Hundred, as far as the Tower of Hanel. And next to him, the men of Jericho built. And next to him, Zakur, the son of, Zimri, of Imri, built. I love where Nehemiah starts. He starts in what was the northeast corner of the city of Jerusalem, if you look, are looking at a map. He starts at the Sheep Gate. He starts with religious leaders. He starts with the high priest and the other priest... Setting the example as they build the sheep gate. The sheep gate was the place where the the animals that were going to be sacrificed at the temple. It was the gate that they would come in. It was the place where these animals, these sheep. As we read this chapter, I'm reminded of Jesus. Jesus as a sheep, as the prophet Isaiah would say. A sheep as he is led to the slaughter. Isaiah saying that. Jesus coming into the city. Coming in as a sheep coming in to be sacrificed for us to give his life willingly for us and so it's appropriate as we think of Jesus and we always want to look at scripture and think of Jesus and and so I'm reminded of Jesus at this as they start at the sheep gate as they start as like Jesus is the the alpha he's the beginning and and you'll notice as you if we looked at the very last verse as they go around from the northeast all the way around the city that he stops also at the sheep gate describing who's working We'll see that later. But I'm reminded of Jesus, who is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the the sheep, the one who came to be a sacrifice for us. And so is that place of sacrifice, the significance of the religious leaders starting as they dedicate, consecrate these doors and gates before the Lord. Verse 5, and next to them, if you skip down, the Tekoites repaired. But their nobles would not stoop to serve the Lord, their nobles would not stoop to serve the Lord. I'm reminded of the Pareto principle that 20% of the people tend to do 80% of the work or 20% of the, of the energy you spend re, re, uh, gives you 80% of your return. Those, that kind of idea, the 20-80 principle. I'm thankful that around here uh, we get that we all are working together. And there's not a whole lot of the nobles of Dakota vibe around here at First Church. That, no, I'm too good for that. That's the, that's the idea. I, I'm, I'm, that's beneath me to serve in that area. I'm reminded of a, a guy in the church we served in Ohio with. He was willing to, to do whatever it took. He arrived at the church before the sun was up. And he was willing to, to do whatever it took. That's what we see here. We see That many were willing to do whatever it took. But then there were a few, just a few, that were unwilling to stoop to serve. Unwilling to humble themselves. To do some good old-fashioned manual labor. Verse 8. Next to them, Uziel, the son of Hariah, the goldsmith, repaired. Next to him, Hananiah and one of the perfumers repaired. And they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Notice the... Variety, as we read through this, the variety of the people that are working, the priests and the leaders and the people from all over and uh, uh, the Koites that we just heard about in verse 5, they actually are from the region that they're from is 12 miles outside of the city, but yet they show up to do work. Or it says that people from Jericho, Jericho is 15 miles through the desert to the northeast of Jerusalem, but yet they come to build. I love it that in this, this region, that whether it's, here in St. Joe or Benton Heights or Stevensville or All Claire, that we are willing to do the work of rebuilding the walls, not just right here in our little community, just not right here in what it, what it means for us, but we're willing to go and to rebuild walls in other communities. And that's what we see here as well, working side by side. In verse 8, the goldsmiths and the perfumers were working. If you read it, there are no stone masas, no contractors, no wall builders that we can Note in these passages, but there are people with different gifts and different talents. Understanding God's, require, God's requirement is that we all be engaged. There are people of different nationalities. It wasn't just the Jewish people that were working. So they were all working together. In verse 12, I skip down. Next to him, Shalom, the son of Halohesh, ruler of the half district of Jerusalem, repaired he and his daughters. Picture of a dad, a ruler, with his daughters working side by side on the wall, which would have, would have been unheard of, but yet included in Scripture that the father and the daughters working together, this intergenerational work, parents and kids working side by side. It's a picture of the church. It's a picture of the kingdom that, that, that we are working together. One of the core values here at First Church is passing our faith on to the next generation, that all generations matter. We should care about them. We should care about passing our faith down and up <laughs> to the younger, to the older. Our kids, our grandkids need to see us engaged, loving God, serving our community, helping, working across generations to build the wall together. And then, in verse 14, Machaliah, the son of Rechab, ruler of the district of Beth Hekarim, repaired the dung gate. He rebuilt its. He rebuilt it and set its doors and its bolts and its bars. Now, here's a great visual, a ruler working on the dung gate. You think, well, what's the dung gate? Probably has some other different definition. No, it's the dung gate. No, it's the gate that they took the trash out. They took the refuse out, refuse out. They took the dung out. Everybody know what dung is? If you don't know what dung is, ask the person next to you. I don't really want to say it. Uh, He took the dung out by this gate. It was really an important gate. Different than the sheep gate. You don't take the sheep, you don't take the sacrificial animals that need to be pure, need to be spotless. You don't take them out in and out of the dung gate. The dung gate had a purpose. It was important, but I'm sure nobody wanted to work on the dung gate. But yet, these rulers, these important people, these people that commanded other people's respect and and ruled others were willing to humble themselves and work on rebuilding the wall and so we see all these different jobs some not so glamorous but critical to the health of the city in verse 22 and 23 and after him the priest the men of the surrounding area repaired after them benjamin and Hassab repaired opposite their house and after them, Azariah, the son of Messiah, son of Aniah, repaired beside his own house. Notice where they're working. It says that they're working beside their home or in the region where their home is, working where they lived. I'm sure it's a motivator to build the wall where your house is as they're building this wall to protect the city. If there were invaders or marauders or raiders that would come, the wall protects them. I'm sure they were motivated to do it right as they built the wall by their home. It's a reminder for us about how important it is to protect our home, to be engaged in our homes, to watch out for our kids and our grandkids, families, to build the kingdom of God where we live. Verse 27, we're back to the Tekoites. After him, the Tekoites repaired another section opposite the great projecting wall as far as the wall of Ophel. Remember those Tekoites. Decoites were the ones that their nobles were unwilling to work. They thought it was beneath them to work. And I don't know if these, the the rest of the Decoites said, you know what, we're sorry for the way our rulers are acting, and so we're going to rebuild another section because we're so sorry that they are uh, being that way. I don't know if they were making up for it or what, I don't know what was going on, but I love their heart to see the project completed, willing to do extra to work on the kingdom. Nehemiah 3, 28, as we go on a few, another verse, and the horse gate the priest repaired, each one opposite his house. Again, the priest, the religious leaders, willing to work, willing to get their hands dirty, and we see, again, working by their house. And then the final verse of chapter three, and between the upper chamber of the corner and the sheep gate, the goldsmiths and the merchants repaired. As I said, if you look at a map and start in the northeast corner, he's been traveling. He's been taking us all around the city. And now he ends back up at the sheep gate, the sheep gate, the place where the lambs, the sheep are brought for sacrifice. As we said again, Jesus, as we think of, reminded of him as the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the sheep gate, the place or sacrifices are initiated, the place where the, the, the funnel to bring them into the temple, it's right here. It's the place they started. It's the place they ended. Jesus is our beginning. He is our end. So what do we learn from this story of Nehemiah? What do we learn from this chapter? What do we learn about the call that, that God has for us in our generation to rebuild the wall that's destroyed as we look around our world again and we see the destruction, we see what needs to be rebuilt. We have been given this vision of restoring God's ideal in our day, in our age, in our community. I think back to 1906 when this church was born, a group of immigrants that had a desire to reach people for Jesus in this community that began to meet in homes and then they went from there and built a church in 1909 where where the courthouse or the the jail is right on the banks of the St. Joe River. They had a vision that God had given them of a church that would make a difference, that would reach people for Jesus. And so for generation after generation after generation, we have continued that and we have taken up the mantle and we've continued as God has birth that vision in us, we've continued to see how we could work together to build and rebuild in our community. The work isn't done. We have work to do now just like they had work to do then and just like the first century church had work to do. And so what are the lessons from the wall? First, we have all been entrusted. We have all, all of us have been entrusted. It's been said that Christianity is one generation away from extinction. And so we must pass our faith on to the next generation. We must reach our world for Christ. We've been entrusted with that message. It's our watch. These are our walls to build. And Jesus said to his disciples, and some of the final things he said, he said, go into the world, and he said, make disciples, and I'll go with you, and I'll empower you, is what he told them. He, he, he modeled serving. He modeled helping. He modeled. And he, he told us, he taught us to, to be his hands and his feet. He taught us that whenever we did it under the least of these, we did it to him. And so we worship him as we serve. The book of James, the brother of Jesus in James 1.27, relates to us that religion is pure and undefiled before God the Father. And it looks like this. To visit orphans and widows in their affliction. To keep oneself unstained from this world. So to live right, to live holy, but to serve. To love, to be compassionate. To live out our faith. All the while understanding that Jesus is coming again. That it's our watch. This is our, these are our walls to build. We've been called to make a difference, to serve our world, to serve our community, to rebuild the kingdom. Until that time that he calls us home. And just like in 1906, they got together with this small group to rebuild. We have been given a vision to rebuild. Just like they were, again, 2,000 years ago. Given the vision. Entrusted with the mission. And so are we going to be faithful in the generation that we have been called? Because we have all been entrusted with this mission. Another lesson from the wall I think that we get as we look at Nehemiah and what he's doing. Is that some projects call for Everyone to respond. You look back at chapter 3, and you don't see one, as I said, professional stonemason. But you see perfumers and goldsmiths and priests. And and we all know religious leaders have no clue about what's going on. So even they're up building the wall and rebuilding the walls. And some projects call for all of us to work together to build. For instance, if you're a follower of Jesus, then then we've been called to, to communicate the good news of Jesus. And so we might do that in different ways. There might be d- different expressions of building that wall, but together we all have to be doing our part to build that. And so that might look like a, a, an individual volunteering to work in a nursery to rock a child so that a single mom who needs to know the hope that is found in Jesus can do that. Or maybe it's working in children's ministry and telling children about Jesus or making a space so a parent that is unchurched or doesn't know that hope that can be found in Christ can, can be a part of that. Or maybe it's holding a door and smiling for someone as they come to a church that they've, they've, they've maybe never darkened the door of a church before and they've heard all these stories about church people, but here they, because you open the door and you smile them and you greet them and welcome them, that you can be the face of God in that moment, that smile, that welcome. And so together we find our part Maybe you, you regularly pray for people that are far from God and so that's how you build and how you celebrate the good news. Or maybe you, you, you're just faithful and you're just a great coworker, so that maybe at some point God uses you to share the truth, the hope that you have found in Christ as you live out your faith. All of us are in this work together, whether it's for serving in youth ministry or holding doors or rocking babies, all of us together. Or preaching a message like I am. We go into the text and we're reminded of those nobles of Tokoa that thought it was beneath them to serve. And I love that First Church is willing, you're willing to get your hands dirty. There's not a whole lot of the nobles of Tokoa. And I hope that I irritate you if that's your vibe coming to church that I irritate you talking about serving and loving and being the hands and the feet of Jesus and loving this community and reaching out beyond the walls and us working on it together and doing it together. I hope I'm a holy irritant to you as the Lord works on you and helps you to realize the wonderful privilege of serving, of living out your faith in our world. And so I love it that we have C-suite executives working beside high school students and All- Claire farmers working next to St. Joe school administrators. I love it that we have Benton Heights people working beside Stevensville people working beside Eau Claire people working besides St. Joe people. All of us together in one body for this region building the walls together because some projects call for all of us to respond while other, secondly, projects call for me to respond personally. Nehemiah was given a personal call by God. Nehemiah, you see, it's, as I said, the, there were the, all the people that they needed to rebuild the walls were already there. Even though I'm sure Nehemiah brought some people back with him. But basically the people that, that he needed, and there were, some, there, were some, there were some supplies that he brought from the king, but the basic, basically what they needed was there. But for decades they had not done the work. It was only until God raised up a leader to challenge the people, to give them the vision of God that they, that they rise up. This, this, this individual Nehemiah that, was, that God put in the right place at the right time in proximity to the king, proximity to power, so that just the right moment, the guy that had the resources, that, that wasn't a Jewish guy, he could have a conversation with him and say, hey, you need to let me back go back. And by the way, you need to finance the deal. And because God had put him in, to that seat of power, God used that relationship because Nehemiah said yes. Nehemiah was the one guy that could have gone to Cyrus and asked for the supplies to rebuild the wall. So where has God put you? What is God asking you to respond to? What's the space? What's the place where he's wanting you to personally respond to his call. What's the project that God's been whispering in your ear? And there's a final, really important final question. Are you willing to build the wall that you have been entrusted with? Each section of the wall matters. When the marauders are coming, when the invaders are coming, when the enemy army is coming, if the section of the wall next to your house is, has not been finished, it's gonna be a problem for you and your family. Every section matters. And so it matters that we all find our spot that we all in our generation find the way that God has called us to be engaged in the work that he's called us to. Friends, we together are rebuilding the walls. And I love it that so many of you, you, you've already discovered that, you've already figured that out, and you're in your sweet spot, and you're serving, and you're, 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 you're in. And I just want to encourage you, thank you for what you're doing. And maybe that's inside the walls of the church. Maybe it's outside the walls of the church in the community. Maybe it's with your neighbors. I don't know how God is using you, but I want to encourage those of you who are building the wall. Maybe you're newer to the faith, or maybe you, you've been around, or maybe you, there's some things going on, but, but you're, you're thinking about how you might be involved in the wall. You're, you're, God's been working on you. And I want to encourage you to, to take some steps, one of those steps... Hopefully as you came in today, you received one of these cards. If not, we can get one in your hands. We've got our guest services people that would love to to, to get you one. If you're online, you can talk to the moderators that are online with you, and they'd love to help you out. But you can fill this out. Uh, there's a lot of you, so it might take a, take a month or two to get back to you, but know that we're, we'll work on it. And so we'd love to have a conversation with you to help you to know where you might uh, best fit whether it's inside the walls, outside the walls of the church, we'd love to connect with you. There's some exciting things happening, both inside the walls, outside the walls. Find your place. One of the core values, another core value here at First Church, and you can scan this uh, QR code that we'll throw up uh, if you didn't get one of those cards. And again, it's a way that we can have a conversation with you about maybe where your part of the wall might be. All of us have unique abilities and talents that God has given us. As I was going to say, one of the core values here at First Church is that we believe that we are a kingdom not of consumers, but of contributors. We want to be a part of what God's doing in our world. So as our worship team comes back up and as we conclude, I just want to thank you for the partnership that we have across our campuses to work together to restore God's ideal. So we fast forward through uh, these chapters. I want you to look at verse four, chapter 4, verse 6 as we conclude. And it says this, And so we built the wall. And all the wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. God used them to build the kingdom. I would encourage you to find your place on the wall. Where is God calling you? And I would just say to all of us as we conclude, if you're here and you've been thinking about a relationship with Jesus, And as I talked about that gate and how that gate, that sheep gate, reminds us of Jesus. In all of Scripture, there's there's these beautiful pictures of Jesus throughout Scripture. If you'd like to invite Christ to be your Savior, to be your sacrifice, um, one of the things we'd like to do is to help you along that journey. And there's a QR code that we'll throw on the screen. And again, you can use your phone. You can take a picture of that. And then it'll take you to a place where you can give us a little information. And we'd love to have a conversation with you. We'd love to send you some resources. Heavenly Father, today, God, I pray that you would be in this space. God, that you would just remind us of, God, the difference that you've made in our lives. And God, that you have a desire to share this hope with our world. And that God, you have decided that this church, the church, this idea that you had, would be the vehicle by which we dispense hope. And God, I pray that you would help us to see how all of our four campuses can work together to reach our world for you, how we fit together, how all of us have a different place and different opportunities and different talents and abilities and all those things. God, help us, God, to hear the call to build our section of the wall, Father. God, thank you for the partnership that we have. And I pray, God, as we sing this final song, that you would just put it in our hearts. Just understand and to seek, God, the direction, the place that you have for us to be about the business you've called us to. We pray in Jesus' name.